Hey, I'm Trevor, and on behalf of myself, Lauren, and Leo, welcome to the Boo Crew Podcast, episode 234. This time around, you're hanging out with filmmaker and great friend of the show, Jed Shepard. He makes his return after first appearing back on episode 147 with director Rob Savage for a movie that really defined a whole new era in horror called Host. Jed joins you to give you an update on all the exciting new projects he has going on, including how you can be involved directly in the ongoing horror community on the Clubhouse app he created called Clubhouse of Horror. We also dive into a brand new full motion horror video game experience unlike anything ever made before that he is currently building. Ghosts will be ready for you to play early next year. It's a fascinating and inspiring conversation with Jed Shepard on episode 234 and it starts now. It's us. Remember those live-action video games in the 90s? Those mega CD games that promised so much but ultimately disappointed? Corey Haim was in a few. Well, we're making one of those, but good. Ghost is the first real-time live-action horror video game. There won't be any floating words or glowing doors to help you decide which way to go next. You're really there. It's your job to keep us alive when all around is trying to kill us. It's your job to help us survive the night. When we say real time, we mean real time. The game will only work at 10 p.m. in your local time zone. If you try to play it at any other time, you're just going to see a blank screen. So you'll be playing at the same time as everyone else in the country. I know, cool, right? If you turn the game off at any point, not only do you lose, but we die in really horrible ways. So don't turn the game off. We also have the long lady to worry about, who, rumor has it, if you look at her in the face, you die. Don't let us down. So, the game is out on all the usual formats, including Nintendo Switch, PlayStation, PC, and Mac for limited run games. And the best bit is the collector's edition has so much cool shit in it. Go ahead, scream. That's all we need. Another victim crawls onto the gurney for a Boo Crew autopsy. Joining the Boo Crew via the Speakeasy Studio is one of the most exciting and passionate creators in the horror space today. A writer, director, and producer who helped craft the multi-award-winning Sundance short Dawn of the Deaf in 2016 and 2017's Impeccable Salt. In 2020, himself, co-writer Gemma Hurley and director Rob Savage created a film that became a pop culture phenomenon and engraved his name into cinematic history, propelling them into the global conversation with features in Forbes magazine, Time, the New York Times, the Fangoria Chainsaw Awards, and countless others. Shot over 12 weeks during the pandemic over Zoom, it is called Host. That platform he built his kept him insanely busy working on a myriad of thrilling projects, including writing three upcoming movies for Blumhouse, a Sam Raimi project, a feature for Studio Canal. He's a host and curator of the incredible Jed Talks podcast, where he talks film and horror with everyone from Danny Filth to Larry Fessenton and the Blair Witch Project's Eduardo Sanchez, and has created the most active genre community on the Clubhouse app, Clubhouse of Horror where he not only shares his vast knowledge and experience, but helps to elevate the voices, talents, and imaginations of aspiring creators and fans, continually 
giving back to the community he loves. Here to give us an update on everything he's got going on, one of which is an unbelievable live-action horror video game called Ghosts that he is building. We are honored to welcome back the phenomenal Jed Shepard. Yeah! Thanks, guys. I, I love coming on your podcast. I, I listened to the podcast that was last on with you guys about 1,500 times. What? Because, no. <laughs> honestly, like, it was, like, I loved it. I just think it was just really good. And like, I think it was the first... We, we'd done a whole bunch before that, but it was the first time I kind of thought to myself, wow, host is really blowing up, isn't it? That It was kind of the first time like when I was on your podcast. And... Obviously, we thought it was good enough that it went on to our DVD or Blu-ray or whatever. Thank you for that. That was incredible. Yes. Oh my gosh, we're so honored. Yeah. Well, speaking of that, it has been really insane of how much what I just mentioned has taken place over one year. Can yeah. you articulate kind of how much your creative life has changed since that success of Host? I mean, we, we've been in lockdown for most of it, so I think it would have been totally different if we were kind of out of lockdown and the world was open. But I honestly think it's kind of benefited me in some ways because instead of uh, procrastinating outside, I've been procrastinating inside <laughs> and, and making stuff. And so, yeah, it, yeah. It, it just opened up a whole new new world for me. And it went from people not really wanting to take my meetings to meetings coming fast yeah. and furious. And, setting up projects all over the place and it's really hard bit like i've said it before being in the uk it's it's quite difficult to um especially if you're concentrating on horror to kind of make waves but i'm taking full advantage of it and trying to set up as many things as possible in this short space of time because you never know when it's going to end and hopefully it never ends but so far this last year it, it's been a uh, it's been better than a roller coaster it's it's been i wake up every day and i'm just so excited about what the day is going to bring and what's coming up in the near future. And yeah, it just feels like I can just anything that I've ever thought of, of doing, I can possibly have the chance to make it and make it with my friends as well, which is, which is really cool. Yeah. That thought yeah. of being able like every email now has the potential to be life-changing at this point, yeah. really. Right. There's all these opportunities. <laughs> so yeah. Speaking of that and all those intense, like the intense creative output that you have right now, what fuels that and keeps you going? I think it's the fear of it all disappearing tomorrow. Sure. And because again, I, I, there's very few British filmmakers who are specific to horror that kind of do more than just one or two films. It's really difficult. Um, unless you're Ben Whitley or Edgar Wright, it's really, really difficult here. And there are so many incredible, amazing filmmakers in the UK who are trying to do horror, but they kind of get swayed to do other genres because that's potentially an easier route for them. Um, but all I want to do is, is make horror movies. So it's really difficult to find someone who's in, in the exact same kind of world. So I'm, 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 what I'm trying to do is be that person that other people can kind of look at and go, oh, Jed's doing it. And if Jed can do it, I could probably do it as well. So I've spoken to so many British filmmakers using what in the last year, what I've kind of built up and trying to help them, connections I've made, especially when it comes to funding, pointing them in the right direction for that, uh, making links. And Clubhouse has been great for that, by the way. Because I don't want to just be sitting in an ivory tower by myself, um, sitting on a load of like, horror DVDs. I, I, I want to be surrounded by people from the UK who, who I've brought with me and who can make a movement of horror. Because we were so good, good at it in the 50s, 60s and 70s. Uh, and then we kind of just let it all go in the 80s and the Americans took over just because your horror was a lot better than what we were producing back then. So yeah, so that kind of fuels me, just putting British horror 
on on the map again. Is there a regimented writing process that you adhere to that helps you get through all this stuff? Wow, good question. Well, on my podcast Jed Talks, I've kind of spoken to a lot of people who are who I admire, a lot of authors and and screenwriters, because I do kind of need some kind of structure because I have, do have a lot going on. And it's really like people like Paul Tremblay and Joe Lansdale I've spoken to who, again, they, they got their tips from Stephen King. But they kind of told me that the method they use, which is in the mornings, you wake up, you do three or four hours of writing, and then you, you stop, put the pen down, turn off your computer and kind of go outside and, and do life stuff because it just makes you look forward to those three or four hours instead of just procrastinating, looking at a, a, a blank screen for like eight, nine hours. And then you become, you start to resent the process. So just these small pockets of creativity every single day, just something like I wake up and I'm so excited to like write stuff and put ideas together. And so, yeah, so basically work smart rather than hard. For the rest of the stuff, do you compartmentalize your day as far as like you're very active, obviously, on Clubhouse? You basically run that channel, Clubhouse of Horror, <laughs> yeah. or working on your video game, or, or even just taking the time to sit and consume and be a fan. Do you literally have to schedule all those things at this point to make sure that you're feeding yourself what you need to creatively to be able to put something else out? Well, most of my time at the moment is, is on the video game just because it's just so much work. Um, and I kind of knew it would be a lot of work, but I'd I've never made a video game before. So now I'm in the midst of it, I just know how much of my time is actually spent just involved with it. There's so many moving, moving parts because it, it's almost like you're, you're making 15 films at once. Yeah. And making one is, is hard enough, but just, just so many things, like so many plates spinning, it's really difficult. And then you've got um, a whole development team actually like making the game the gamified part of the games. And it's also just convincing people that you work with, like that this is going to work as well, because it's some like, well, I'm sure we'll come onto it, but it's some crazy ideas that I've got, got <laughs> boiling. And, and yeah, it, I mean, most of my time is spent on the game, but I do spend a lot of time kind of um, setting up other things as well and working on, the, on, on like the Sam Raimi project and the Studio Canal thing and the Blumhouse stuff. Like we, there's, there's so many things I've kind of already got going. It's just a matter of keeping those plates spinning. And with Clubhouse, I only ever go on at like 11 p.m. or midnight my time because that's kind of the afternoon in L.A. And that's when most people kind of go on. So I just take away a lot of my sleep in order to. Sure. That's yeah. like that, the end of your day for you is to hop on Clubhouse. Yeah. Obviously, we want to get into the video game, but just talking about Clubhouse for a second, what you've been able to build on that platform Talk a little bit about just your discovery of Clubhouse and what you're finding is empowering about it. Early February, my friend Amelia, who, who's an actress, Amelia Copeland, she invited me to something called Clubhouse. And I had absolutely no idea what it was. I, I, I hadn't even heard of it. And I went on there and I saw and I kind of got looks around. And obviously I was looking for film stuff, horror stuff. And it was really difficult to find it. And for those that don't know, Clubhouse is basically like 10,000 podcasts happening at once and most of them are terrible but <laughs> and you really have to search to find the good the good one just just like with normal podcasts I guess but this gives you the ability to put your hand up come on onto stage and talk as well and I thought that, that's really really cool 
But then what I noticed is that there wasn't a horror club. There were people speaking about horror in kind of disparate parts of Clubhouse, but you really had to kind of search for it, and, and often you, you couldn't find it. So I thought I would, I would see if the word horror was taken as the name of a club. And weirdly, even though the app had been going for an entire year, nobody had claimed the horror club. So I claimed the horror club, and then I thought, okay, what am I going to do with this? And I was like, okay, I'll just invite a whole bunch of horror aficionados and horror legends onto stage and see if that will work because because we were in lockdown as well there, there haven't been comic cons or conventions or anything like that so there ha- hasn't really been that get together of of especially in horror like horror icons all, all together in the same place so i thought i would try and do that and yeah it, it worked and I, I do it every week and barbara crampton's my co-host and it's just really really cool and we've had some amazing people on Kane Hodder was on there a couple of weeks ago we, we just have have some amazing people on stage every scream queen you can think of has been been on stage and it's just really fun and like it's, it's just ex, it kind of expanded and now like I mean there was a there was a room open for two months under the horror club where they were just talking about horror for every single day for 24 7 and I thought that was really cool and that's nothing to do with me that's just I started the club and it's up to kind of horror fans to come on there and and at least they have somewhere to kind of find like-minded people who can talk about horror. But the, the great thing about it is the collaboration that you can find in it is, is incredible. And the access that you can have to studio execs, to, to the big actors as well, to producers, to writers, to directors, is I've never seen anything like this before. Because Twitter feels a little bit like them and us, like mm-hmm. the verifieds and then everyone else. But Clubhouse is just <laughs> open to everyone. Everyone's exactly the same. So lots and lots and lots and lots of projects have spawned off the back of Clubhouse. Multiple films have been kind of created through Clubhouse. My friend Sebastian, he has commissioned a, it, it was announced a few weeks ago in Fangoria, a anthology film called Symphony, where he found writers and directors from Clubhouse, from these horror rooms, put them to get together, funded them, made them gave them a brief of, of exactly what they had to do. They went off and wrote it and directed it. And yeah, there's a, there's a film coming out called Symphony, which is the first Clubhouse horror film. And then he's, he's doing it again as well. He's just about to announce he's doing it again. But it's, it's been great for Barbara Crampton as well. Like She must have had so many projects thrown at her recently. And, and people like Bonnie Aaron's has got a lot of work off it. And yeah, it's it's just incredible. It's and, cool to like yeah. watch yeah. like the relationship. Like you just sign on yeah. and watch these relationships form right in front of your eyes. Or if you want to yeah. form a relationship, just you know put up your hand and you're all of a sudden you're talking to Bonnie Aaron's. I've seen composers <laughs> hook up with directors and, yes. and writers all in real time in one space. And like you said, everybody's on the same playing field, on the same level. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And like even myself, I've got so many things going on. I've probably spawned four or five different projects off the back of clubhouse in the last few months Um, and these aren't little projects these are like real real big ones yeah when i'll be able to fit them in i have no idea right (laughs) um, i'm I'm, I'm attached to these things i'm attached to these things so yeah it's it's incredible and and again like if you don't like kind of mixing in real life or like networking in real life like i'm not the biggest networker you'd be surprised like Film it, put me into a, into a film networking room. I will be by myself at the bar, just just drinking. But on Clubhouse, all of that social anxiety just disappears That's because right. everyone's just there to talk horror. They're not there to talk to talk about anything else. It's just horror, and that's my favorite thing to talk about. Off the back of that, 
they announced you as one of the, the clubhouse creators first in the accelerator program that they were doing. Yeah. To be honest, I didn't fully understand what it was. Like they, I think they saw some traction I was getting on Clubhouse. So they just said, hey, we're going to make you one of these creator first people, which is just, they picked like, I don't know, a couple of dozen people out of the hundreds of thousands to kind of like highlight a little bit. And yeah, it, essentially, I, I was just doing my normal Clubhouse room, yeah. uh, which is just talking, talking about horror, have a, a bunch of horror luminaries in stage. And yeah, I just filled them with a, with a, a few more big names on stage, really. And like Dee Wallace was there, that was, which is crazy. That's so awesome. But yeah, it, it's just a little experiment. But I, again, like I, I don't like being highlighted like like that. I I prefer to be one of the the many on there because it's not about me. The ho- horror club is about horror, so it it shouldn't just be about one person running it. That's that's why like anyone can start a horror room. You don't you don't need me to start it for you. It's just open to anyone. So horror fans have somewhere to go on that app. Yeah, I mean, I've started a room and not even known that I started a room. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I have all these kids and they're always playing with my phone. Oh, no. Trevor was like, you have a room open, you know? And I was like, oh, my gosh. But all these people are joining. Hello? Hello? Yeah, I'm like, oh, <laughs> it was bad. But uh, I've gone on a couple of times. I usually go on like 2 a.m. our time because that's when it's like quiet. Everybody is asleep. Yeah. And there's still people on there wanting to talk about horror. And I met yeah, a great, great friend. And then I went to this other room, which has nothing to do with horror. But it was a bunch of pianists playing Disney songs nice. just right at their home. Yeah. It was so calm and beautiful and they were so talented and i need to find that room again that's the thing you like you can search and just discover a whole new world i mean the pun unintended yeah. right yeah, yeah there we go oh <laughs> i was gonna comment on that and what Je- you just said jed about uh, leveling, leveling the playing field on clubhouse but also you know there's just a lot of re- mutual respect you know with people yeah. there it's like you know of all levels people you know listen and they chime in with their opinions or you know responses or questions but there's a lot of mutual respect in the horror community and uh one of the things that that i absolutely love that you've done is you've hosted you know some absolute legends together in the same room like barbara crampton and kane hodder for example who i've never seen together you know and these are things that probably have not happened at cons yet maybe you know or maybe not ever you know who knows right but the fact that you know you've hosted these conversations and have them talk about their, their horror movies or projects and some of them, which I've never seen, you know, uh, it's yeah. been just so fascinating. And, and for that, I want to say thank you. You know, it's just been, oh, keep it going, you know, <laughs> my, my favorite collaboration that I often do is, is getting Barbara Crampton and Kelly Maroney on stage because then there's a chopping mall reunion <laughs> and, then I, and then I throw in and, the, and then I text Catherine Mary Stewart, like, like Kathy, can you come into this room? So it's a night of the comet reunion as well. And then she comes on and, and like, why am I here? It's because it's cool. Cause it's a night, it's a night of the comet reunion is my favorite movie it's awesome and like i think like a couple of weeks ago we had a psycho gorman watch party uh with psycho gorman himself like oh, <laughs> that movie's amazing the by the way yeah. oh my yeah. god you can just do anything really it's it's so cool and like i just love it when i see like people starting rooms and it just makes me like happy that like they have somewhere to start under, under the horror banner yeah it's really um, got a life of its own yeah. for sure yeah, somehow in the midst of all this, you've got this, you found time to create an immersive live action horror video game, right? Called Ghosts yeah. that recently yeah. funded on Kickstarter. So yeah. let's let's dive into it, man. Tell us about coming Ooh. up with the idea. 
So around Halloween last year, I um, we were doing a lot of press and, and promo for Hostel, and it had already been out for a few months, but the UK cinemas were reopening again, and Host played at like 150 cinemas in the UK in the lead up to Halloween on, on Halloween. And it was genuinely, I know this sounds like a like very cinematic, but it was on Halloween and I was doing a Q and A with, with, the, with, the, with the ladies from host. And I was like sitting there on stage thinking, oh, this would be so good if we could just do this again somehow. <laughs> like how, how can we just do something together again? And I'd just been playing through, through lockdown. I'd been playing a lot of my Nintendo Switch. I'd been playing a lot of full motion video games. And for those that don't know what full motion video is, it's basically live action games, real filmed scenes where you get to choose what happens. Kind of like a choose your own adventure with a little bit of an interactive element. So I, I'd been playing a whole bunch of those, Phantasmagoria, Seventh Guest, um, uh, Night Trap is the, the kind of big one. And those those games aren't the greatest games in the world. They are flawed, to, to say the least, but like they have a real charm to it. So I just had it in my mind, ah, oh, wouldn't it be interesting if we did a full motion video game with the ladies from Host? And then it kind of just parted it in the back of my head because like, obviously I'd never made a game before. So I had absolutely no clue how this crazy idea would ever come to fruition. <laughs> so like, on Twitter, a couple of days later, a video games company called Visible Games, they just DM'd me. And if you're a horror writer on Twitter, you, you often get these kind of DMs and they say, oh, hey, um, I loved Host. We're a video games company. We've done this game, this game, this game. We're looking for new, fresh ideas. Do you have anything? And I'm like, let's zoom right now. I've got this great idea. So I pitched it to them and they were like, oh, live action, full motion video, that doesn't work really. <laughs> like no one's done that for years, like successfully. And I was like, no, but this is, this is why it's going to be good because we're going to do it real time and we're going to do it. And it's going to feature these ladies who have just been in the, the biggest horror movie of 2020 and this, this, this. And I revealed everything to them and they were like, holy moly. Okay, let's, let's do this. So that was, that was the beginning of it. That was the beginning of having developers on site to actually make the game I wanted. And then I obviously had to convince uh, the ladies from Host to, to make this video game. But like I've done with them multiple times, like I just said, hey, are you in? And they're like, sure, yeah, we'll, we'll follow you wherever. Because they're just, it's always an adventure when we work together. Okay, so live action, I mean, it's happening in real time. How yeah. the hell do the mechanics of that work because usually like with a full motion game like it's triggering things that are previously filmed right so yeah. how in your mind does this actually work having multiple players making multiple different decisions and being able to do it live i, I don't even understand <laughs> i can't wrap yeah. my brain around it <laughs> so 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 the real time aspect comes in into the unique fact that you can only play it at 10 p.m. because the conceit is you're the you're the over overworked and underpaid producer of a reality tv show called ghosts that's where the title com comes from it's a reality ghost hunting tv show called ghosts and you're producing the outside broadcast fan and at 10 p.m. that's when that's when you clock on that's when your job starts you have to run a live show and anything can happen because it's live and i wanted the player to be to feel like they were really there to feel like this is your job and if you get it wrong there were consequences <sighs> and the only way of thing to do that is you've got to have it at 10 p.m the game can only start at 10 p.m like the show starts because it's live and you don't know how many people try to like tell me not to do this they said don't do this like it's not going to work you're not going to the kickstarter will not fund people will be totally against this 
and I'm just like, because I, I like there's a, a do you know do you know Hideo Kojima who did the Metal Gear Solid games, and he he's like an absolute genius, and like I I, I often kind of read interviews with him just because I think he's really inspirational, and he um, he made a game in the early 2000s called. Boktai, the sun is in your hand. And with that game, you play a vampire hunter. And on the back of the Game Boy cartridge is a solar panel. And you've got to take it outside. And you've got to use the real sun's rays to power up your vampire hunter. That's incredible. Yeah, because vampires hate sunlight. And I was just, so I always had this in my mind. Okay, so it's like you're mixing the real life with with a video game. And I'm like, how do I do that? How do I do that? And boom, time. Like time is something that, can be used to our advantage because if 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 I really want to make this as immersive as possible, then I've got to use time. That's the only thing I can do. And I always think that the more authentic you can you can get something, the more you can scare someone. Which is you see in hosts like because they're authentic friendships, authentic. They use their real names, etc. There was no uh, music and stuff. That's where the that's where fear can reside because you don't know what's real and, and what's fake. And that's why I want to introduce into this game. You think this is real because you think this is really your job because you, at 10 p.m., like that's it. You you are in this game. You can't put the game down. You can't turn it off or pause it because everyone will die. You you can't even go to the toilet unless you you take it with you, the Nintendo Switch with you or something. It's that it's that immersive and it's that important that you pay attention to the game. But also making someone forcing someone to kind of look at the game until the end is an interesting proposition especially as the antagonist which is called the long lady who's this creature if you the rumor is the urban legend on this particular street where the game takes place is if you see the long lady's face you die so you have this juxtaposition of not wanting to look at the screen because it's scary but also having to look at the screen because you have to make sure everyone's safe and you've got a job to do so yeah i i wanted that kind of quagmire in people's minds of what what do i do do i put i'm, I'm scared like not allowed, i can't look away but like if i stare at it i might die yeah okay so <laughs> it takes place in haunted places in england correct it's centered around a haunted house are parts filmed in that specific haunted house yeah the majority of the game what you're looking at as the producer of, of the tv show are the ladies from host inside a haunted house, but you're in an outside broadcast van yourself. You can do your own thing. You can, you can, you can look after the girls or you could walk out the van and, and go on an adventure by yourself. There's stuff happening around the van. There's the actual t- presenters of the TV show who are off doing their own things as well. They go and interview the neighbors down the street and, and find out more about the urban legends, about weird stuff that's happened on the street. It's really, really open. And, and again, like, I don't think there's any, been anything like this before. So we're kind of making the technology a little bit as we're going along. We're making the the architecture of where how it of where the, the film footage kind of sits and how to gamify it. But once we've got that architecture, we can we can use it for other games, and it can be something that we ha- have as a product for other people to kind of plug in their ideas as well. Oh my God, that's insane. So again, that live aspect of like everyone having to kind of be there at 10, to me, it makes it even more frightening because of those things that you said that you have to commit, right? You have to be at a certain place at a certain time, put away your phone, whatever else, and you can't really escape it. 
that like you got to plan. It's an event, right? It's an yeah. event experience, which is uh, unbelievable. And I, yeah, I don't think it's ever been done before with the technology. Does that mean that you have to be there live directing anything? How does that element work on the back end as far as coordinating that live experience? So it's all pre-recorded. So that there, so there isn't a, a, the only thing that's live is you playing it live, and then if you fail at your job, the game finishes, and the and you have to wait again until ten p.m. the next day to play it. God. So that so there's yeah. So the live element is you having to play it at ten p.m. And that's that's the live real time aspect. Like time moves at the same time in the game as it does outside the game. The Boo Crew will be right back. There is a life form growing out of prebiotic fluid. It is not winding down into disorder. It is self-organizing into the shape of fear. The most evil force man has ever known is awakening. Master of terror and suspense, John Carpenter brings you Prince of Darkness. Prince of Darkness. Don't see it alone. You have this 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 creature, right? The long lady. Yeah. Talk a little bit about building the long lady. Yeah. So just after host came out, like I was having a lot of meetings with a lot of studios. And I mean, I'm sure I'm not speaking out of school when I say like I was having a meeting with A24 and one of their execs was saying um, what they'd really love is to have a franchise like Nightmare on Elm Street. And I was like, really? You guys want Nightmare on Elm Street? And they're like, yeah, we would love a Nightmare on Elm Street, like our own one. And I was like, what? why? And, and, and they said, because like, you can't beat Freddy Krueger. Like, that's the, the best antagonist there is. And like, I, you probably heard me say on Clubhouse, like, Freddy Krueger is the best antagonist because he's inevitable. Biology will conspire against you to, to kill you, basically, because everyone has to sleep. That is why Freddy Krueger is the greatest antagonist. You cannot get away from him unless you're not human. Exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I thought, right, how am I going to make an antagonist as good as Freddy Krueger? And I, I genuinely, like, that was my task for, for like a week. I was like, okay, has to have this, 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 this. It needs this kind of backstory. It needs this type of powers. She needs to look like this, this. So I, I built, like, in my mind, using what I know about horror and, and what works, my perfect antagonist for this game. And I gave it, and I, I'm friends with Trevor Henderson. So I said, Trevor, okay, this is my idea. And I pitched him the long lady. And he was like, holy moly. So then he designed her and there's no one's really properly seen, had a good look at the long lady. I haven't released, obviously there's been things that me and Trevor have, have leaked out there, um, but no one's had a proper good look at her because there's so, so much exciting things ha happening around her. But yeah, so he designed her, but then obviously I need someone to make her. And the first name that came into my head before any of these other uh, kind of monster places. I just thought, wouldn't it be cool if Jim Henson's Creature Shop did this? So I just got in, I just got in contact and I said, hey, like, let's talk. I don't have the budget to kind of give you what you would usually need to, to make something like this, but hear me out. And I and I told them and again. I told them 
the whole story of ghosts and why I want to make it and why it's going to be the scariest thing ever. And I told them the story of the long lady. And I think it was hearing what the long lady is really about is what got them excited. And they said, okay, let, let's go away and think about this. Like, and they went away and they thought about it and they came back the next day saying, we're hundred percent in, let's do this. And I was like, Oh my God, I've got Jim Henson's creature shop on board. So uh, it was just so over the last like few months, they've just been working hard on it, uh, building her. She's obviously extremely tall and they've been putting together, sending me photos, progress photos, progress videos of her moving, just doing the stuff that she has to do. It's in- absolutely incredible. Like, honestly, like when I do a behind the scenes documentary, wait till, wait till you see this stuff. They've even like, uh, again, I don't know if I should say, but they've even made this little short film like to send me using the long lady. It's so oh, funny. Wow. It's, wow. It's, it's like Scooby-Doo basically what they sent me, but like it was set inside the Jim Henson's Creature Shop. Honestly, so it's a real gem of a, of a little short. That is so um, cool. Yeah. They put her into a specially designed Jim Henson Creature Shop crate and, and yeah. So it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be really, really cool and... I don't want to say too much more about like the actual design of her because sure. they'll give some stuff away. But honestly, a dream come true working with Henson. Like they're the best. I'm the, I am the big. I, I always say to them, I'm, I'm the biggest Henson fan. I will. I will scrub your cafeteria floors if you want me to. <laughs> honestly, and I would. Yeah. I'll do. I'll do anything for those guys. They give me give me years and years of pleasure. I watch Labyrinth like every other day. I have it on in the background. Just really. Yeah. Just because it's. I always want something that I know really, really well, so it won't yeah. distract me, but yeah. it's really comforting and it's, and yeah, and the songs are cool as well. And so I write along to Labyrinth. Oh, that's, oh, that's really cool. I want to see <laughs> the long lady film, like a full blown film about the long lady, her backstory. And I want her to like go on to have like five or six movies. She sounds I'm, amazing. Like, again, I'm, I'm working on it. It's, yes. that's, as soon as I announced the game, it, something I, I i started the first steps towards because I, I i see ghosts as more than just a video game i see it as as a start of something really cool because with because ghost is, a, is the conceits is a tv show on this on this satellite cable channel called fright tv and it just gave me the idea what else is on this channel what yeah. other shows could there be on this channel right. what other things can we make into video games and that's why in the in the game there are trailers and there are adverts that you as the producer have to slot between. Oh wow! You have to go to, you have to, go to advert <laughs> break every twenty minutes or so, even when something exciting's happening. You're on a TV show, so you you have to go to advert break, otherwise the show will fail because you need that advertiser money. So you have you have a selection of adverts and trailers, and all of all of these adverts and trailers are specially designed for the game with unique cameos special directors it's it's a little bit like the grindhouse but uh, crazier oh my god and i i, I gotta say i love like seeing grindhouse in yeah. the theater with yeah. those two death proof and planetary back to back was like life-changing for me because i didn't yeah it was something i didn't get to experience ever you know i was too young obviously or not born yet when stuff like that was happening and to be able to experience that in the cinema is unbelievable but this sounds oh my god leo you had a comment you wanted to this actually makes sense for what we're talking about Yes, since the game uh, stars your wonderful cast from host, Emma, Haley, Gemma, Radina, and uh, Caroline, 
can we expect their personalities uh, or perhaps any fun Easter eggs uh, to appear or carry over from host uh, to the game itself? Well, the official answer is is it's not associated with host. Though I am a big fan of Easter eggs and giving little breadcrumbs for, for things that are going to happen in the future. So there will be some big surprises about projects coming up for, for sure. There'll be things I'm seeding here, which you'll see in, in um, things in the future. Real big, ob- like some of them are really obvious, but some of them are real subtle. And it'll make you go back and play the game and think, oh my God, like they, like it's been set up since, since this point. And, and the great thing about the video game format is in 10 years time, I can just do a, an update of the game and just have a whole set of more, tra- more trailers, more adverts that I can plug into the game. So when you play, you'll see fresh adverts, fresh trailers for other weird products, other weird films. And these, these little, little trailers could be proof of concepts and not just for me, but for like all of my friends in the UK and in America, just ideas they have for films, but don't have anywhere to put it. I can give them a little bit of budget to do a, like a, a trailer for it, a proof of concept, and they could slot that in as like a 30 second advert. Oh, that's um, so the potential is, yeah, yeah, the potential is just sky high. And then, so how far along are you on the actual production since the Kickstarter wrapped? Yeah, well, we are, we're, we're some way there. Yeah. Um, we still got a lot to do. Uh, we've got to do a lot of the stunts still. Uh, not, not that that's a spoiler because you would have, you would have guessed there's stunts in this. Right. And some of them are very, very ambitious more ambitious than than host they're just a lot bigger and more flashy just because host is 56 minutes this game will last considerably longer so i have a longer time to scare you but then you also need something satisfying at the end to because you've been waiting this long so there's some some big set pieces same same crew as host same stunt crew same vfx people wow. as host the exact same people everyone's basically uh, the same we the adverts and the trailers they are to be shot still to be shot as well i've got essentially till the end of this year to do it and i'm going to be going all over the place to to do them and it's really exciting actually today was meant to be this whole week was meant to be uh, a shoot week but due to um unforeseen circumstances we've had to push it a couple of weeks but I'm just so excited. I'm just so excited. It's it's going to be so cool. Oh my God. So with this and all the other projects going on right now, the Sam Raimi stuff, the Blumhouse stuff, is all that stuff happening simultaneously right now? Or do you have this time kind of carved out to finish the game and then be able to focus on that other stuff? How does that work? Yeah. Um, I mean, all of the, the, like the Sam Raimi thing, that's kind of taken care of itself at the moment we're, we're, because we're very far along in that process. The Studio Canal one is going to be sometime next year. So I've got, I mean, and and we've just shot a Blumhouse movie, which I guess will come out at some point this year. I actually don't know the actual date, but um, we haven't even announced the title either. But um, yeah, it's it's in the can. So while I would say till the end of the year, I've got some time to. Well, we do have to write two more Blumhouse films, so that that's something I have to do as well. <laughs> but um, just, yeah, so, yeah, just, I don't know how you do it all. It's incredible. Those little things, <laughs> two Blumhouse movies. Right. Yeah, it's fine. Like, but the yeah, so like this for the rest of the year, it's mostly this game. I'm doing something. I'm writing and directing something for. Um, I can't save, but it's it's a pro- it's a it's a 
it's a sequel to something which which I'm in I'm involved with, which I'll be doing some stuff for that in July or August, I think. And then yeah, and I think in the next couple of weeks, I don't know when this comes out, but in the next couple of weeks, there are going to be some pretty big announcements with me attached as well. Some from real big. Like it's it's gonna blow your mind, one of them especially. <laughs> like, oh my gosh! gosh. <laughs> You're nonstop. Yeah. I love it. Wow! I just nice. want to ask, what was the scariest video game that you've ever played? Ooh, I mean, obviously the Resident Evil games are great. I like. Um, I don't know if you ever played Fatal Frame and Fatal Frame Two, but um, Fatal Frame Two is quite. Ins- it kind of inspired me a little bit for Ghosts video game, I guess. Just how spooky it is, and how you're just creeping around, and and it's it's photos that actually you capture ghosts with 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 a camera. It's it's really interesting. But yeah, I mean, I really like the Friday the Thirteenth game on on the Switch as well. I actually spoke to Kate Hodder about that because he plays that, and um, he doesn't play Jason when he plays that either. Oh, that's he funny. Plays- <laughs> Yeah, he plays one of the camp counselors because he, he he wants to see it from the other other side. Which um, is really interesting. <laughs> so, where do you think video games are going to be in like ten or twenty years? So, for me, and th- this is this is a call to action for all like horror screenwriters out there: get into video games because we're telling stories, and we we want our stories to reach as wide an audience as possible. And the games industry is so much bigger than the film industry. So if you can tell a story, a horror story within a game, it's just going to have more eyes on it. And then you could always spin it off into a film or a TV show afterwards. So I think the, and it's only really been recently really that, that kind of like the storytelling in video games is now, I think, on par with films. I think like the more recent games have been incredible stories, multi-layered storytelling, and and Ghost isn't the only like the only game I'm going to be doing as well. I've already signed up to the next game, which again I can't talk about, but it's going to be another one where you go, I cannot believe that Jed's been dropping clues this entire this entire interview. But wait, wait till you see. I, I thought it would be announced a couple of weeks ago, but it looks like they're holding on to it. But it's I'm doing a game for for a big IP which is something like I really love. But yeah, I, I, just, I think it's the feature of, of horror storytelling, really. Um, and I think it'll perfectly supplement a, a regular cinema-going experience, just interactive. Um, and obviously VR is, is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And I think VR horror is also the future. Yeah. Once they kind of put real screenwriters on it and not just make games companies write the stories. Yeah, I've had I've been diving into that Oculus VR horror space since last Christmas yeah. when we got a VR nice. headset, and I've been just I've been loving it. Like I've been playing the Exorcist right. a lot lately on it, and there's Blair oh, Witch Project. Cool. There's a couple. Yeah, have has there been thoughts to translate ghosts to Oculus? Yeah, but I'm almost like well, one step at a time. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I I would really like to do a VR version of Ghosts, but again, it's I, I could do Ghosts Two, Ghosts Three, mm-hmm. or like a like a, a spinoff, but um. Yeah, we'll see. I, I do think it's the video games that are the future of, of storytelling and especially the future of horror. I think it's something that will that we will just accept as a way for horror filmmakers to kind of release their products. And I'm kind of surprised that like films like the like Spiral, the new the new Saw movie, they haven't kind of done a, a VR version. Maybe they have and I've missed it, but or like the conjuring, that there, there should have really been a conjuring three VR game. 
yeah, since Ghosts will be released on Switch, PlayStation, Xbox, Steam, etc., will all the gameplay and features be available across the board, or is one platform more preferable than the other? Very good question. Personally, in making this game, I'm, I'm thinking about Nintendo Switch because it's so portable, you can play it anywhere. For me, that is the ideal way to play it, but it will work the same across the board. There may be very, very, very slight differences just because if you're playing the game on a Switch, the processing power is a little bit less than a, P- than a PC or a Mac. So maybe it'll be slightly slower, but they're releasing uh, Nintendo Switch Pro at some point soon, which will fix that a little bit, will close the gap a little bit. So besides that, there, there shouldn't really be too much difference. One difference that I will say is those who who back the Kickstarter will have a slightly different experience than those who buy the game regularly. I can't say why or how, or but that's something that, that I've made sure to reward people who... Um, who backed the Kickstarter. At this point, when are we going to see the video game, do you think, at this point, 2022? 2-22-22. Got it. All the that's, that's the release date. Yeah, unless something else happens, then <laughs> then, then maybe be later. But like that's that's the that's where we're, we're heading for at the moment. Because I, I want to start this next game as well. And, and, and I want to make the film version of, of Ghost. I want to make a whole bunch of stuff. So, um, and usually like, like games take two to five years to develop and this is a real quick process but i think with full motion video games you it is a little bit quicker because sure. you're shooting on a camera rather yeah. than having to like program animate everything. a bunch of stuff yeah you touched on this briefly before we got into it but the cast right and using Haley and radina and Gemma and caroline and emma you've kind of created a theater company with these women <laughs> yeah what yeah. kind of <laughs> what kind of creative shorthand does that afford you Knowing me for years, I I just don't have to explain myself to them really, which yeah. is which is really handy because I have to explain myself to most people. They just trust my crazy ideas, and it's difficult to find when I meet a new person. Like, and I say I've got this crazy idea, blah blah blah. There's a level of skepticism, but they trust me implicitly, and and they will they know what I'm doing is for the for the good of the story, and is good for them, and. And again, I'm using their real names. Yeah. Uh, again, like we did in like in host, because I think taking out the artifice um, from horror is how fear can can breed. So the, the more layers you take away of that artifice, you're left with just reality. And again, I know actors actually don't really like it when when they're not playing a character because they think they don't have to act very much. But these ladies just love the chance at exploring different sides of themselves. And each of their characters have this pretty epic backstory because I thought that if I give them, if I write essentially a film of for each of the girls, which is their backstory. Oh, wow. Maybe, yeah. Maybe one day we can make, we can make that, that origin story. And so each of the ladies coming into this game they have a whole, this is almost like a sequel to, to the film I've already written for them about their backstory. So I don't know how much of that backstory will show up in the game, but I think you'll see hints of it um, every now and again. They didn't all meet on host. That's the kind of difference. We, we haven't used their real backstories for this because I wanted to make this a little bit different. And then speaking of Emma, we got that short film that you've got, Multiplex. What's, yeah. what, when could we see that? I've been looking for a chance to be able to check that out yeah. for a while now, and then the whole premise yeah. looks amazing. I, I can't wait. Oh, 
I mean, yeah, they're, they're all in multiplex. All five, all five ladies are in multiplex. Oh, they're all of them! Wow. It was it was the first time we used all all five in that format. So I kind of use that as a proof of concept, so people know I can direct. Um, so a lot of the directing jobs you'll see announced to me is off the back of multiplex, because people saw that and thought, "Wow, okay, let's like." Because it's really hard being a writer and then transitioning to being a director. You kind of have to prove yourself. So because I have this proof of concept, and because I haven't put it online, it, is, it hasn't stagnated. It's, it's fresh to people's eyes when they first see it. Yeah, it's, it's kind of a surprise to them that all of the girls from Host are in it, and it's like this, this crazy concept. And I will release it in the next eight months. Okay. You'll see it. Awesome! Yeah, I mean, the trailer looks outstanding. It's got you know anyone listening is got its own website with a trailer you could check out and, and read. The oh, whole I didn't, I didn't even actually know the trailer was on there. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> it looks incredible. All takes place two yeah. people, two people in in a movie theater based on a childhood experience, a real life childhood experience that you used to have in the cinema. Yeah. If I'm correct, right? Yeah, yeah. It's based on the fact that me and my sister, when we were when we were kids, we were babysat by the cinema. My mum would drop us off in the cinema my aunt worked in the cinema we would just we would just be sat like watching a film and it was just any film that came on and we would just watch horror movies like romantic comedies and then we would just go walk to the next screen and grab popcorn because everyone knew us we were just kids and we'd walk to the next screen watch whatever fil- film was on the next screen and we'd walk throughout the cinema just watching whatever films we wanted until a mum picked us up later and we, we did that for ages so I, as a as a small kid i got to see so many movies and i always thought Wow, this is a new. This is this is something that doesn't usually happen to kids. What if there was a supernatural element to this too? And these two kids had to essentially. I kind of don't want to spoil it, but sure. they they have yeah. they have. Uh, there's basically treasure they have to find if they succeed in, in in particular tasks within within the cinema. So, but that it's kind of like a game as well. That multiplex is kind of like a game where they have to take certain things off the list, and then they. They potentially could find the treasure, but there is a spirit in the cinema trying to stop them, and it's extremely ambitious for the budget we had. But um, I wanted to make that into into a, a movie too, and there is interest in, in that as well. But very we'll fun! Got- <laughs> My God, so amazing, man! I love it. It's just inspiring yeah. listening to you talk and watch all this yeah, stuff thanks, coming man. out. It's yeah. incredible. Now, as we wrap yeah. up here, there's just a couple fun little things I just wanted to mention. And and there's a movie that you've talked about in many interviews that is finally kind of you. You've really been a part of a big part of putting the spotlight on, and it's a, a movie from 2008 called Like Mongo. Yeah, and it's it's finally getting a, a special edition. What are your feelings on? The kind of the resurgence and the, the awareness that you've helped bring to life of this this incredible movie. It's been amazing, and I think that's one of the, the great things about getting a spotlight and going on on podcasts and being interviewed. Like I, I'm, like me and, and Rob, we mentioned that film in every other interview at least, just about how much we love it and how it's inspirational. And then other people start talking about it, put it on lists and, and and stuff. And it's one of those films that are just so sorely underrated, and now it's great to see it's getting its time. Um, to shine and it's going to an amazing release from second sight who released hosts and obviously that's no coincidence and um yeah it's it's incredible that people will actually get a really good condition of it because it's, it's scary as hell it really really is and some of some of the moments in in that film are just truly truly terrifying mm. and i don't think the filmmakers understand 
understand how scary it is like for, for me like and i'm not scared by anything um i, I can watch anything and, and not be phased but that film gets me that that, that film makes me kind of want to sleep with the lights on just because it's like terrifying but then also it's so touching and ah oh man it makes me go through a roller coaster of emotions it's it's great and the interesting thing about that you know anyone looking into the lore of that film is that the director really doesn't make himself very much available to talk about it at all. I don't even think he takes part really in the special edition. All the features are other directors talking about it, maybe a star or something from the film mm-hmm. reflecting on it. But what, what is your take on that, on the kind of the enigmatic nature of Joel Anderson? I think, I mean, sometimes you, you make a film and you put it out there and you expect a certain response. And I think he didn't get the response that the film deserved. And I think that has stuck with him a little bit. And again, I I don't know the guy, but just reading between the lines and doing my own research into it thoroughly, Mm -hmm. it must've been disheartening that he, he made something which I think is a horror masterpiece, modern masterpiece that just no one really kind of like took under, under their wing and, and all like talked about now it's getting thought about, which, which is, which is great, but it's, it's too late. Like in two, like that film came out two thousand eight. By two thousand ten, that guy should have been doing big movies. Like right. he should have had the world at his feet, and like, and he didn't. And I mean, I guess that's potentially why he's he's kind of stepped away a little bit. Maybe he's disillusioned. But yeah, like it, hopefully now, like you'll see how much people love the film that he's made, and he de- he deserves everything because I think he's an incredible. Yeah, no, definitely, he can build an empire off the back of that movie. It's yeah, yeah. unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Just ending out, is there any other recent favorite horror discoveries that you've come across in the past little while that have really ignited you? I just watched Caveats on Shudder. Have you seen that? No, I've not. I've heard a lot about it, but I haven't seen it. Wow, like. It's not Irish movie about a man who um, is told, is given a bunch of money to look after a teenage girl on an island who is a little bit spooky. And he doesn't know why, but he get, gets paid £200 a day. He gets there and he's told he has to have a chain on him, be chained to the wall because the girl walks around at night and she doesn't want to be scared. So he agrees because he needs the money and, and he's, yeah, he gets chained to the wall and he has to like look after this girl. And the first 15, 20 minutes, because you just don't know what's going on. You don't know what's going to happen. It's unbelievably spooky because it just, you, you just know something really, really, really bad is going to happen. You don't know how it's going to happen or when, but you know, it's going to at some point. So yeah, just, just, just the mood, the, the vibe they created in that first 15, 20 minutes is incredible. Yeah, and Shudder's, Shudder's got a caveat and just really, even the opening 30 seconds, spooky as hell, like real iconic stuff. I don't even know what the director's called. I just, I just stuck it on because I saw other people talking about it. Yeah. And I was like, holy moly. So there's that. I haven't seen Werewolves Within yet, but I have a, a link to it. So I will, I will watch it in the next couple of days. I've just been really busy because I think Josh Rubin is going to be massive. Hopefully he gets to make Dark Man, which is his dream project. Yeah, man, that'd be um, insane to yeah. see. He's yeah. a perfect guy to make that too, which would be great. He is. Yeah. He really is. Like, uh, jokingly, he said that I could be exec producer in it, so I, I'm going to take him up on Hell it. Hell yeah, do it! Because uh, <laughs> I love Dark Man. <laughs> it's like, oh, um, Gigi Saw Guerrero's got a film coming out as part of Blumhouse's Enter the Blumhouse. Is that what it's called? Oh, yes, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and her film is called Bingo, which is about a bunch of older people who 
have to band together to save their bingo hall from evil. Um, wow. And I speak to, yeah, and I speak to Gigi about all the time, and I'm so excited. It's, it's going to be crazy good. Oh, that's awesome. Wow, that wow. amazing. Well, lots of, lots of incredible stuff out there always to see, man. Yeah. That's, a, that's yeah. awesome. And thank God for Shudder. I can't even believe oh, it. Like yeah. Shutter just yeah. it kills me, man. I don't know what I would do without it. Yeah. it it's it's almost overwhelming <laughs> yeah. at this point and how fast that they've grown and, and what they've exposed people to. And it's I swear yeah. it's like a new a brand new movie every week at least. Yeah, it's, it's it crazy. feels like yeah. Which been, yeah. Have you have you guys um experimented with with Arrow streaming yet? No. Oh wow. No. You need to. So Arrow Player is Quentin Tarantino. It's the, it's the only subscription service that Quentin Tarantino has is Arrow Streaming. It's basically Shudder, but maybe slightly more curated. They only put like one, two films a month on there. But they have, like they had um, The Stylist. That was one of their big films recently. And they have lots of classics. So it's it's like Shudder. It's very much like Shudder, but um, it's based in the UK, but you can, you can get it anywhere. And um yeah, Quentin Tarantino's favorite streaming service. Wow. Definitely recommend it. There's a 30-day trial, and you, you'll be in dreamland with a, with a selection of films they have, horror films they have. Well, okay. we're signing nice. up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome, Jed. Well, dude, thank you so much. And is there any way that anybody yes. else can, I mean, as far as pre-ordering ghosts or getting involved in that anymore, I know the Kickstarter's over. Is there any way people can yeah. still? Yeah, well, we're going we're gonna to set up a pre-order page very very soon like in the next week or so so if you just follow me on my on my socials you'll be able to see the link or follow visible games maybe or limited run games through the distributors but yeah just follow me on on twitter and you'll you'll get you'll get the whole story there i guess sounds great oh, wait i want to oh, ask yeah. what age is the video game for age appropriate can our 10 year old play it i think there is a way to play it without seeing lots of gruesome stuff but i would say it's more for the the kind of older okay. people I uh, yeah I mean it's still I don't know, it doesn't bother it. him so okay yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah all good I just think there will be some things that are pretty gory love that and it's just like it's a lot of psychological terror as well so it just depends on if you want them to have nightmares or yeah. not. <laughs> maybe not maybe yes. not I'm yes awesome yeah. Jed well man thank you so much for joining us and talking about it. I, we oh, know no how worries. busy yes. you are and how involved you are in the community yeah. we appreciate the time so much always anytime yeah. I'll, I'll literally crawl over thank broken you. glass when the fly's undone for you guys that was the Boot Crew Podcast episode 234 special thanks to our guest Jed Shepard. Follow him on Instagram and Twitter at Jed Shepard to stay posted on all the amazing things he is up to. Production tracks provided by Powerman 5000. Till next time, it is the Boo Crew saying sweet screams. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Boo Crew Podcast. Haunt the Boo Crew at TalesFromTheBooCrew.com Tales from the Boo Crew on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us on Twitter at TalesFromTheBoo. The Boo Crew is Lauren and Trevor Shand and Leone D'Antonio. The Boo Crew is produced by Lauren Shand, chopped and sliced by Trevor Shand. The Boo Crew is a TSP creation, part of the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. Bye! A bloody disgusting podcast network, home of the Boo Crew, horror-centric interviews, SCP archives, weekly full cast storytelling, horror queers, genre commentary from an LGBTQ perspective, and creepy, or disturbing and terrifying creepy pastas. Listen free wherever you stream audio and at bloodydisgusting.com slash podcasts.